With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm J.K. Amalu, the writer, director of The Asian. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer, director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, everybody. This is Mo Ali, the director of Montana. Hey, guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. From, from Age to Screen. To screen. Good afternoon, although now it's evening for you, right? <laughs> now it's like it's twenty past nine at night. What's all that about? <laughs> Something new, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Normally it's early morning for you. Now it's getting dark for me. So. Right, right. Now we do have probably worse weather than you're having right now. We have rain, thunder, you name it. So, yeah, lovely. <laughs> Sounds like our summer. To oh, be honest. oh, really? We have a lot of those, man. And that was one of the things that reminded me so of summer as a kid was when I, especially up at my grandparents' house, because their panes in the windows would rattle whenever the, like, big thunderclaps would happen. And so that was just a part of, I mean, like... Hey, Hello, you, oh, you put me, did you put me on hold? No, you know what? It <laughs> did it automatically. That's really crazy. Um, wow. That was actually Vanel trying to call me. I'm on the phone because in case the power goes out or the internet goes out, or whatever, then it automatically switches over to the LTE, so you won't lose me. But sure as hell, phone call comes in, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, hello, by the way, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing quite well, man. How about you? I'm all right. I'm trying to. Um, I'm trying to work out how to because next week, although by the time people listen to this, it'll have been three weeks ago or whatever. Right. Um, I'm, I'm shooting a video interview with somebody while I'm over at San Diego, and nice. I'm trying to work out because it's just me, one other person, and as far as I know, nobody filming it. So I'm trying to work out how the hell I'm going to do that and make it look semi-interesting. Yeah. So I'm trying to work out where to put cameras and all that sort of stuff. So oh, that's fun cool, game, man. Fun, that's cool. Fun stuff. Um, it's kind of weird. It's like once I get the experience of Comic Con one out of the way, yeah. I had plans for another thing, and I thought I'm gonna maybe fundraise for that a little bit at the end of the year. Shoot it in 2017. It's fine. So I mentioned it to a bunch of people, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm up for that." So I was like, oh, that's good. And then I mentioned it to somebody who I'm speaking with at San Diego, and they went, "Brilliant." And I'm like, "Okay." So I'm shooting it next week. <laughs> Um, which is not good because I'm shooting the other one next week. So it's like, oh, oh. but I have to because, because they're in the U.S. and it's not like right. crowdfund to do that one right. next year. Although keep so, in mind, man, you hook me up with some celebs over here. I will shoot footage and do the interview and pass it off to you and you can add it to your um, – I'll just be like your in-the-field correspondent. You know, Yay, that works. <laughs> So that's my uh, fun thing, as well as just looking at all the stuff for San Diego, which is just mind-blowing. Yeah. Is Annette so, excited too? She's very excited. Cool. Yes, she is indeed. Yep. 
So that's very good. Um, we have two topics. I'm going to let you choose which one okay. for this thir- third episode of History of John Fouts. <laughs> we, um, I mean, I know you planned we'd, we're going to do the meeting movie stars and being on film sets and stuff like that. Right. Uh, I think we need to do one about podcasting as well, I think. Oh, yeah, that is true. Because you really were the, uh, the catalyst for that. Because I remember, I think I was on the Black Guy Tips podcast first. And then I forget who hooked me up with you. I guess it was Dexter. No, uh, yeah, it would have been Harold that introduced me to Dexter. There you go. And then yeah. Dexter that introduced uh, you to me and me to you or whatever. Yeah, the, the yeah. Order was, so. And then, then that was, I mean, like, I was on your show relatively frequently. And then suddenly you forgot about me for, I think, about a year. And then uh, then I was back on there. So, And then before long, I became your co-host. So, yeah, man, that's never- good. I never forget about people. I just, I'm always, I know how busy people are and I'm really, it's like, I don't want to pester people right. and say, come back on. They're like, oh, not him again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's usually what it's down yeah. to. So. But, you know, I've said from the beginning, uh, you know, even when you and I really didn't know each other and we've never met, but um, no. the fact that you have always made me feel like I was a welcome guest in your house. And we were just sitting around on the sofa and, and just, uh, you know, with a beer or tea or whatever your preference and just hanging out and just talking movies. So it's always been a very relaxed and enjoyable. Um, you know, <laughs> just texted and said, it's too late. I just jumped off the cliff and uh, I am heading out. My body is heading out to sea. She's hilarious. So anyway, well, that's, quite, that's quite impressive that she can text whilst falling off the cliff. And <laughs> yeah, that is it. So that is- that's it. Well, you That's know, valid. there's always that muscle memory, which I think is, you know, how she's texting me in the afterlife. So not to mention, wow, man, if I could just have an iPhone that would last that drop and in the ocean, I'd be happy. So oh, yes. <laughs> just, just hopefully you won't get a text that says, oh, shit, a shark. <laughs> That's right. So, I think uh, she would just suck. smile at the shark and the shark would be going, oh, OK, I'm out of here. You know, probably you got some sort of weird selfie. <laughs> through. Like even with a shark behind her or something. That's it. They, they're both smiling for different reasons. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, yeah. So, so, but yeah, yeah I mean, like up. you know, I was thinking about you know the whole stars thing, and I will talk about certain uh, you know aspects, different people that I've met. But really, you know, the stars to me are the ones who have enabled me over the years. And I got to thinking about some of the people that really encouraged me, almost helped me make movies. Lend, lent me their, you know, $5,000 camera for six weeks. I mean, like there's been, there's, and, and some people are just like, Hey, you need some lights here. Just take my complete setup and, um, you know, pass them back, you know, when you're through. So it's, I mean, I've been very fortuitous with my filmmaking that I had the support where if there was a gap in the gear, um, or in the crew, people would just say, Hey, you know what? And out of the blue is crazy. Like this one guy who I didn't even know who this person was, and yet when we were doing Bird um, in a glass house, which was the first feature film that I produced, and this guy contacted me and he said, man, I have been a fan of yours for a while. I've seen some of your short films and I want to work with you. And, and he said that he had heard great things you know, about uh, how I worked with people on the set and all that stuff. And so, bam, you know, he was working for free. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah, I mean, it's, do you plan your journey or do, do a lot of the things just – Happen. You know, I think that I guess it's some of both. I think um, I wouldn't have done the projects that I have done overall, especially the ones that kind of started my career, if you will, 
um, without me just pushing it. It's like, hey, you know what? I don't have a project. I'm going to make one up. I'm going to write a short film that's creative, and I'm going to test some different theories and ideas. I'm going to see if um, I can smooth, smoothly be pushed around in a wheelchair, and then I use that in a feature film later on. Or um, you know, I'll uh, do the whole you know Robert Rodriguez thing where we used. Um, uh, what is it? The soft air guns. And I added the, the muzzle flash and the sound effects and post. And I had no idea if I'd be able to pull it off or not, but I shot the entire short film and then did the effects and post. I just felt that confident. So, um, I think being a cocky bastard, uh, has enabled me to, to do a lot, you know, and evidently I'm nice enough that people are like, Hey, you know what? You need a camera. Here's my $5,000 camera. You look after it. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like a lot of the time with the podcast, and I feel like that because I've asked sort of filmmakers and stuff, going, "Oh, how do you fancy doing this?" And I think there's no way they're going to say. They already said yes. Right. It's really bizarre. <laughs> and even with this new project that I'm doing, it's I sent out um, initially it was four emails because I thought I'm going to do four feature length episodes, and I'm going to be really choosy about who who can be on them for various reasons, cost, location, right. that type of thing, and also make sure they've got enough stuff to talk about. And two of them came back really, really quickly going, yep, I mean, it's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, very <laughs> I was expecting, and then well, another one who I sent, I'm, gonna, I'm cagey about who's in them yet because right. it's not happened and I don't want to spoil it. But um, <laughs> one of them was sent off and I went, oh, have you got your, because I'm doing it really, really properly, even though I know these people through one way or another. Um, I am contacting them officially. I'm going to please my have your agent's email. I have a project that I wish to discuss that I'd right. like to include you in, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so well, one of them came back with their agent's name and email address, and I emailed the agent off. And four days after, this person messaged me on social media and said, oh, I've not heard from you. Um, I, did you send an email? And I, went, I did. I sent it four days ago to this email address to your agent. I, went, eh, I suspect my agent isn't passing things on. Uh-huh. Send it. Send it through again, and I'll chase him up. <laughs> so it's a lot. So it's really nice to be chased up. Yeah. You know, going, I haven't heard from you yet. Rather than ugh, right. I'll just I'll pretend I'm interested. But right. so far, so good. So, but that's purely just because I'm being cheeky, and also because uh, I've done lots of stuff in the past, and they're going, "Oh, we like you." You know, the similar similar that you said, people think we like you, so right, we will do this. Right. So. And it's nice. I mean, like having these doors open uh, because a lot, and I think too, making movies in my hometown, um, and I mean, like it's small. Half the time, I hate it. Sometimes I I'm okay with it, and sometimes I enjoy living here. But it, it's always kind of mixed because I've been here since I was a kid, and I would move away to Charlotte and then move back, move to Greensboro, move back, and. Um, really, I think in part, you know, we were talking about, you know, a path that we we're on or whatever. And I think in part it was because I had to be here so that I could reconnect with Michelle and make her my wife. And now I feel like I'm free to, to go wherever I, I feel like, you know, that stop is done. Right. Um, but it's still the open doors where the crazy, uh, locations that we needed for, you know, either a short film or a feature film. And I have a friend that's in real estate and the doors that were open. And then we were talking hotels one time. This is when we were doing nerds of steel. And, uh, Eston was like, well, I have a rental house that no one's in. Uh, you guys can just stay there. Bam huge place and uh running water and power and all that so we could actually that was our home base for meals and and all that it it was just crazy the money that we saved just because someone said hey you know let me help you out here 
nuts. What's your most fun aspect of making films? Which bit do you enjoy the most that you get a real kick out of? Wow, I don't know. I guess every phase of production has its, um, you know, has its high moments as well as headaches. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I enjoy writing, which I'm trying to get back into. Um, and then, you know, I guess formulating the plan, it's almost like a battle plan. So that's kind of fun. And, but I mean, once production starts, I kind of go into this other zone if I'm, especially if I'm the director. And so, you know, people can come up and they just know that they had better make eye contact or not believe a word out of my mouth because I'm so deep in thought about how everything is playing out in the scene and the, how it's going to edit together in post. And so I do have a lot of fun, um, you know, when I'm directing, but then post when I'm doing editing and I see these scenes coming together as I envisioned them or wow, what the hell am I? Oh, I got that B roll. And then you add that in and then that makes the scene even better than I had originally envisioned. And so, yeah, it's, I I really like every phase of production. Although, I mean, you know, there's your headaches where, you know, actors decide to flake out or go on infinite smoke breaks. There's a good friend of mine that the first time I worked with him, he was just, I mean, like every break, he was just like, I, I got to go have another smoke. And I'm like, dude, really? Okay, I'm going to strap this walkie-talkie to your chest because I'm tired of losing you. Because he would go outside the hotel and then we'd have to spend 15 minutes trying to chase him down. So, uh. in, in general, not necessarily on a John Fouts film set, mm-hmm. but in general nowadays, who do you think's in charge? Do you think it's gone back to the directors, is it producers, or is it the stars? Because we remember in the 80s where the stars would command all the power. Yeah. Well, and same thing when um, I think about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and, um, was it Mr. Miss Smith? And I think the director was there as, like, the token director. I mean, like, he was there, but from what I understood, um, you know, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were saying, no, 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 that wasn't a good take. He'd do it again, you know? And so he was just bumped. Um, and I think about, and I can't remember the guy's name who was the director of uh, Thomas Jane, the Punisher, right? And um, But he was a comic book writer, so they took a chance. So I get it. They wanted to make sure that there was some support and padding. But once they, it's either you're supported and you feel like I can do this or everybody's second guessing you. And eventually you just kind of shut down. And I think that's what happened to him. And so that was kind of sad watching the behind the scenes where, um, he was so excited. And then after a while, it's like, you know, I think that was good. What do you guys think? And they had so many babysitters, you know? So I think if it's Tony Scott, he's wearing the pants, you know? Um, (laughs) I think yep. sometimes it is the producers uh, that are kind of, you know, making sure things happen, you know, as they should. And uh, certainly everybody's watching that clock and thinking, oh, my God, we cannot go over budget. We cannot go beyond. You know, we're not James Cameron. We can't do the Titanic thing and say, hey, you know what? Yes, this is going to cost what three movies cost. It's going to be stellar. But I will make this. So give me more money, you know. so. That's why I like shooting the stuff I do because it's just all guerrilla style. Right. None of it. <laughs> I've I've never filled a form in ever. Right. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I've not exactly shot a lot, right. but you know the stuff I have done's always been like, can I shoot this? Yeah, all right, good, brilliant. Are you ever uh, disappointed when you go shoot someplace guerrilla style and no one gives a damn? You know what I mean? It's just kind of like we went to this uh, big mall over in Charlotte, and it was relatively new at the time. And because we needed this one pickup scene with the lead character coming out of 
a um, and he really just came around the corner, but he was supposed to be in a dress store, right? And we had already shot all the interiors locally. A friend of mine owned a, a men's shop, and so we just needed him come around the corner and then walking towards the exit. And I had my Steadicam rig. I had, uh, you know, there were numerous crew there, right? And I was just expecting behind, great behind-the-scenes footage where, you know, the uh, security comes up and says, sir, you're going to have to leave. And I'm thinking, yeah, but we've already got what we need, you know. And no one gave a damn, man. I was staring at security, and they grinned at me. You know what I mean? Like, I was waiting, you know. I was trying to look mischievous, but they're like, whatever. Right, so, yeah, we went in, took three takes of it, right, of the same, you know, walkthrough. And I was – that was it, man. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm expecting when I go to San Diego, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, I'll have done it. So who knows? Right. You know, hopefully I'll uh, I'll have succeeded. But I'm expect because the thing is with San Diego Comic Con, I don't know what I can shoot and what I can't. Right. I mean, I'm, go- I'm going under a press thing. I know that when you're in the panels, you can't shoot any video clips for obvious reasons. Right, right. Why would you? Because they go online anyway. Right. So you could see the footage there. Right. Um, but I'm just going to try and film everything that i've not been told i'm not allowed to do right so it's like i'm going into a press breakfast with a lot of the cast of the walking dead right. pretty much pretty much all of them i've seen the list of the ones in there nice. it's like, that's like is there anybody that's not in there gail <laughs> Ann Hurd, right went to breakfast with gail Ann Hurd, nice robert kirkman andrew lincoln norman reedus yeah all these um the guy you know all, all this lot and i don't i don't know whether you're allowed to take a video camera into this <laughs> press breakfast or whether it's just for you to meet I ain't got a clue, so I'm just going to try it and right. hopefully not get told off because then I'll feel like a bit of an idiot if I'm being uh, <laughs> You can't do that. But at the end of the day, it's like I'm not a professional. so Right. And keep but, in yeah. mind, this is – Sorry, carry on. In, in the mall oh, – did I interrupt you? I'm sorry, man. No, no, let's carry on. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. But anyway, but um, when we were shooting – the mall and we were coming around there were lots of logos but i was so focused on the main character right i just wasn't paying any attention and then the director said okay so how are we going to fix this i'm like what and she was like yeah we're gonna have to blur out every registered trademark logo and a buddy of mine who works for the news said all you have to do is flip it so you reverse it which everybody looks about the same anyway but if you have any of those scenes where you feel kind of you know like ah it's let's nike and sony and maybe they don't you know what i mean like whatever then you can flip it and you are legally safe so just thought i'd throw that out as you're shooting footage that you can get anything flip them and you don't have to worry about copyright and trademark nice so that's going to be quite hard being at san diego comic-con to avoid logos <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. and hopefully they wouldn't care but uh, you know no. Just in case someone says, hey, what the hell, man? Yeah. Because of the nature of what the experience of Comic Con thing's going to be, I right. would hope that they're not like, how dare you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you must cut out every bit of cosplay, every <laughs> trademark costume, bit of makeup. It could be a bit of a nightmare. That's right. So. Not to mention all those pirated copies of movies that we can't get and oh, a bunch of licensed goods that's been duplicated, like uh, any kind of trademark pistols that are owned by you know like the star trek pistol that you're supposed to pay license on and stuff dude you'll be able to pick up all that stuff so yeah i don't think you'll have an issue with it no no yeah. there's only one way to find out isn't there that's, just <laughs> that's right and it'll probably go off with as big a bang as us going into the mall and shooting you know probably. it's just better okay. man yeah so i mean like 
Vasa was hanging off of like uh, like the railing and and banisters and stuff to try to like a monkey in essence hanging around trying to get the perfect shots and he got beautiful stuff but um, no one said anything to him and technically I guess he could have fallen on somebody you know yeah, could, but hopefully he didn't <laughs> no he, he did not man <laughs> well the high school so, uh, I really think yeah. he's one of those guys that's so laid back I think if he did hit the ground he just would have rolled got right up and kept on walking he would have been fine so <laughs> how are you with I mean you've worked with a lot of actors and actresses for the for the sake of argument I'm just going to call everybody an actor yeah because uh, you know, right. stop labeling the world needs to stop labeling people right so right right one, one title so <laughs> Um, you've met a lot of actors, some you would class as more famous than others. Um, yeah, although really, I, I don't know. I admire the success, if you will, of somebody, the blood, sweat and tears that they have put into, um, their craft and the fact that they have been successful with it. But I don't, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know of anyone that I think I would really get starstruck off of you know what i mean like it would be an honor to meet some of the like if i could have met sir alec guinness or robin williams or you know some of these people that have either made me laugh or just moved my soul you know um you know but i I don't know i really uh there was uh and i can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head but there were some different people that i met out in um la when i was out there at the action on film festival the last time i think it was back in 2012 and yeah i mean like you know it's um, I don't know, man. I mean, like, you know, and some of them remembered me, uh, from a premiere that I went to in Charlotte, but so, but I mean, it was cool, you know, it, it just, I don't know it, but anyway, what was your question? I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah. I mean, is it, are you perfectly fine at meeting, you know, famous people to, to use a term? I mean, famous is relative right. anyway, but you know, people who everybody would know rather than, have you heard of this person? No, I don't know them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm I'm fine meeting them. The people that threw, the one person that threw me off, and I cannot remember her name, and she was not famous. She was a knockout, big, they look natural uh, boobs, and she was in this little white skimpy dress or whatever, and her the twins were jumping around all excited as she walked, right? And so anyway, she locked eyes on me because I was coming out of the theater she was going into, and it just the entire triangle of distraction, the face and the, the, the boobs and her whole figure. But anyway, I about tripped into trash cans, which is when <laughs> Vanell laughed at me, um, you know, and I played it off and, and we, you know, exchanged a little banter that I got, uh, I left. So <laughs> I don't know if that would come under starstruck, but let's, we can, we'll that, file that, that would, one uh, for the sake of argument. Right, right, right. I mean, you know, she was the lead in whatever movie that I didn't know. I have no idea what her name is, but yeah. Um, <laughs> between her and the twins, they did a number on my brain. I was like, is there gravity? So, well, obviously there was because the twins were being affected by it. But anyway, I digress, man. But yeah, I mean, like, um, let me, uh, I was trying to look up some, I'm trying to be smooth and look up the stuff as we're discussing it. But, um, oh, let's see here. Yeah, I mean, if you, I don't think I've ever been starstruck, but I've been stuck for what to say. Right. Um, twice, I think. One was Michael Bean the other month. Right. And that's just because I just didn't know what to say to him. Right. I'm like, well, what do you ask him about? You I like to ask somebody something that not many people ask about. Right. And what what would you ask Michael Bean that everybody else, I don't know. Right. Like, was was that you don't already right. know the answer to, though? I was think I would. Was it a bit difficult? Well, I know the answer to that one. <laughs> 
Yes, it will. I would ask him how he deals with dialect because I remember hearing, uh, I think it was somewhere along the way that um, he was in um, the stage show Oklahoma. And so because he had that Oklahoma accent or whatever thing going on, whereas it's normally neutral, when he went to audition for Kyle Reese in Terminator, um, they were like, ah, this, this is a country dude. We can't use him or whatever, even though he had the look. It, he still hadn't shaken the accent. So I would ask him how he gets into the accent and then how he shakes it. How What's his process or whatever. But it'd be the quirky shit. That, and I think it was Oklahoma, and I think he was the dude who stripped down naked and jumped into um, the, the water or whatever, which they usually have water on stage that splashes the audience and stuff. And I would probably be like, dude, I mean, like, I played Jesus in a play one time, and I was up there in a very skimpy loincloth that I was kind of afraid, you know, maybe wardrobe malfunction might happen. But anyway, so, I, I but I mean, I wasn't naked. So, I mean, what the hell is that like, man? And, and it, that's a packed audience, and everybody knows you. So, anyway, you know. So, there you go. You've got a couple of questions for Michael Bean if you ever do me. Exactly. It'd just be the crazy things, you know. Now, you give me somebody who is just – so incredibly gorgeous and oh my gosh i can't think of any actresses right off the bat but probably if they would just stare deeply into my eyes then i'd just be like i have nothing i have nothing <laughs> you know <laughs> oh my goodness but yeah i mean i've thankfully i've never been stuck right you know star starstruck <laughs> where i just couldn't right i mean i remember once there was uh, are you familiar with only fools and horses the program no or not so much. Okay, no. it's a ma- it's a massive British sitcom, right. probably on Netflix or something. It ran for years and years and years. What was it? Fools and uh, horses? O- only fools and horses. Okay, so it's very good. It's one of these half-hour sitcoms yeah. that, that ran from I think it was the early eighties to sort of mid nineties, maybe early two thousands. So it ran for a lot of years. Right. Very popular. One of the main characters in that is a lovely guy called John Chalice, mm-hmm. who has done things like Doctor Who and, and all. Sorts oh of yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, I was going to be doing a panel with him at the Sci-Fi Wales thing last year. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be meeting John Chalice, really nice guy. We'd swapped a few tweets and stuff. Right. And the the organizer of Sci-Fi Wales messaged me and he said, well, I'm putting this booklet together for Sci-Fi Wales. Would you mind sending John Chalice a, a private message, just asking him some questions so we can put it in a booklet? I'm like, all right. And so I couldn't think of what to ask him. I'm like, <laughs> I got, I got. I got nothing. Right. I've got absolutely nothing. Because I asked him, I said, do you mind answering a few questions? He went, yeah, no problem. Send them over. Nothing. I could not think of anything. <laughs> Eventually, I came up with it. Right. But I used that story to tell him, to tell the panel. So I'm like, I remember the time when I did this. So I did take get some good out of it. Yeah. By making everybody laugh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah. But, I mean, you have the ability to play off of that absence of questions you know what i mean so you you can uh, you're never on book from what you you know you've told me as far as you know you don't have cards or anything you just kind of wing oh, it no. so but that that's got to help you versus you know when someone is so strictly focused on you know like the next question is oh shit that's already been asked what? you know so especially when you get the crazy uh people up behind the mic from the audience and then you get crazy questions that's that's always fun Exactly. There was, you know what, there was an interview. I'm trying to think of times where I was a little bit like I had to get into the zone, but I was interviewed by this one girl and she had already shown me earlier in the day that she could stick her entire fist in her mouth. And she was a model 
And uh, when she did it, the guy sitting next to her, who was much more of a fatherly type, was like, yeah, you should not be showing that to a group of guys. And then she's really blonde. And so she was like, Bye-bye. so anyway, but she interviewed me and I don't know what she had on under the dress, but it was similar to what that chick had out in L.A. that may be going to the dumpster. So I had to kind of focus on words and answers. You know what I mean? So, yeah. How did the fist in the mouth thing come about? Did she just like blurt it out? She, oh, by the way, look what I can do. <laughs> when I came up to the table to register for this con- uh, this convention or whatever uh, film festival, um, and this was, I think, up in Illinois. But anyway, um, when I got to the table, she was like, oh, so who are you? I said, John Fouts. And she said, hey, what did you do in the movies? And I said, I'm the director. So she was like, oh, I do stunts, and I've always wanted to have bigger roles and um, and I said, oh, well, you know, what all can you do? Meaning stunts, right? And she was <laughs> like, well, I take judo and Aikido and all this other stuff and hop keto and I can stick my entire fist in my mouth. And I was like, shit. All right. Well, uh, that's something, huh? <laughs> it is. Put that on the, the you know, right. IMDb trivia or whatever. <laughs> Dude, I don't know how many times you've, d- I think you've done casting before, haven't you? Um, No. Oh, okay. Casting. No. You'll get res uh, like headshot and resume, right? And the yep. resume should be stuff that you actually would like somebody to do on the set, right? And this one guy said he can burp and fart on command. And dude, you know we want you to do the face or we want you to open your mouth, but we really don't want you to belch or fart. <laughs> and uh, there was this one DP. This was on a short film that Dexter and I did, where I was actually uh, played the lead. This guy named Barry. And it was on a spaceship and all this other stuff. And anyway, it, it's it was on the cheap, so a lot of things didn't quite work out. But anyway, this guy who who we're friends, so I'm not going to mention his name. But anyway, this guy was blocking the door. We were in this cubicle that was supposed to be where my character was being questioned by the space police, if you will, right? And um, so anyway, all of a sudden we hear this really loud fart, and we're stuck in in this little room. And anyway, <laughs> we couldn't get out. There were so many cords, not to mention he was a, he's a large guy or was back in the day. And so he was blocking the door, all these cables they had set up going to monitors and the cameras and stuff. And I remember Vanel thought it was funny because she was on the other side of the glass. So she was protected. But yeah, I, it was bad. And there was nowhere to go because, I mean, like it just kind of it was like a smoke bomb that you would drive somebody out of a, uh, a building. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh. <laughs> was it like sort of Axis Chemicals from the uh, Tim Burton Batman movie? Yes. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. It was one of those that, that later on you're still tasting it. You're just like, oh my oh. god, yeah. It just it it hits you almost like a a a kind of like a powder in the air. I, I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. It was bad though. So I think my dogs have had worse explosions, but that's the only you know that that's that's it. Those are the only ones that have been worse than this guy farting and stink in the room. But anyway, that's probably not what the audience wants to hear, but I, uh, you know, yeah. well, it's a nice surprise for the audience. <laughs> it's like so. that mouth guy talking about farting. What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, it wasn't you that did it though. It was oh, somebody no, else. It so was not me. Not at all. Okay. I then. got in trouble one time. I mooned the camera guy who was in the next building shooting. I was doing the close up, right. And he was shooting over my shoulder just to, go ahead and get a, um, you know, like a different perspective of the action. Right. And so at one point I just thought it'd be funny to moon him. I didn't think about everybody in the scene and I didn't drop my pants altogether. It was just, I mooned 
Basil, right? And so anyway, Daxter was just like, what the hell were you thinking? You know, anyway, so I thought it was funny, man. But anyway, so I've never mooned anybody again on the set. So, no, it's, yeah. it's something just do now and save it for special occasions. Right, John, right. Just, you know. <laughs> it's one and done, man. You know, so it's, I guess that's off the bucket list. You know, moon to friends. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At some point, you can reboot it. In a few years just do it slightly <laughs> different, but not as good as the original. That's that's right, man. That's right. Oh, who's the guy? I can't remember. Um, oh, my gosh. He plays. Oh, my God. He was the, the Indian in the Young Guns movies. Why am I? Ha- oh, Lou, Lou Diamond. Yes. Yep, Lou Diamond I Phillips. hear that on every set, he moons everybody. It's just something that he does. It's like everybody back to one, pull your pants up, and action. Wow. You know? So, yeah. What's he been? I mean, other than mooning people, I wonder what Lou Diamond <laughs> Phillips has been. The last thing I saw him in, I think, was 24, which was the oh, season. Oh, wow, man. Season one or two. I think, I think season one, I think it was, actually. Yeah. He did a um, TV show. And I'm looking it up now because, once again, my, my brain is just, like, not giving me anything. Um, that Netflix picked up and did a season of, and I don't know if we're going to have another season or not. It was not as good to me as what had, pre- had you know, happened previously. Uh, it's called Longmire. Have you ever seen that? No, I've heard of it. Yeah. No, I've heard of it. To, the, uh, talk to I can't yeah. remember how many seasons, but it's up until what well, says um, 2012 to 2016 – but um, anyway, he did an excellent job in there. Uh, but it, it just, to me, the writing got a little bit sloppy. And then it was like the ending of that season was just like, yeah, let's do a sloppy whodunit. And I just, I was like, man, I don't even, I don't know that I care, you know? So anyway, yeah. But the, uh, yeah, this week I've been busy prepping to meet all the cast of The Walking Dead. So I've binged through an entire season <laughs> of The Walking Dead in four days. <laughs> right. Um, because of all the cast there, I'm like, I don't really want to be talking to somebody going, so where are the cast? Right. Oh, yes. You're one of them. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't realize you were like the main villain or whatever. I yeah. Could go potentially wrong. Um, so I've binge watched that, which is fun. Yeah. So, well, but I will struggle. I'll struggle for that when I'm speaking to them. I'm like, okay, right. Right. What do I say? <laughs> there is literally about 15 people. Right. You know, 15 guests. Right in a small room eating food in the morning with a lot of journalists right. and, and me. So it's like, right, who am I going to speak to? Am I going to be able to speak to anybody? Am I allowed to film them? What the hell do I say? Right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, so. um, ask Norman Reedus if he enjoyed working on a movie called Pawn Shop Chronicles. And, um, because a friend of his, Adam Minarovich wrote the screenplay, uh, Wayne Kramer, who I don't know, uh, anyway, um, I have no idea what his background is. He directed it. But anyway, Adam was, you remember um, the first season of The Walking Dead? There was the redneck asshole husband who would beat the hell out of his wife. Terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's Adam. And so, um, anyway, they had a big uh, pawn shop chronicles because he's from um, South Carolina. So um, they just had, you know, like an anniversary celebration of Pawn Shop Chronicles or whatever. Everybody's supposed to show up at the bar, drink, and watch the movie again. And um, I, I missed it. I, Vanel and I had discussed it briefly, you know, to go down there. And um, but anyway, but so if you, you know, want something that's coming from a different angle for Norman Reedus to get his attention, ask him about Pawn Shop Chronicles because you Pawn never Shop. see him in it. He is a, I think he makes meth or whatever, but he has. He's dressed in 
kind of leather, rubber or something, but he has a, a, a gas mask on and he pulls the gun. Anyway, you, you know who it is, but it's just kind of funny yeah. that um, there he was. So. I'll do that. Because that, that was one of the things that was making me nervous about speaking to people. It's like, I don't want to go in and ask them stuff that they're going to be answering all weekend. Right. I need to remember that I'm there because I'm me and I need to, I need to be me not trying to pretend to be a professional journalist. (laughs) So the pawn shop Chronicles thing. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That'll that'll do. I don't know if it's on any of the, you know, like Netflix or whatever. Vanel has a copy. She brought it in and we watched it uh, one evening years ago. So yeah, I've actually written that down. I'm glad it didn't end up being one of those things where Norman was so upset by it, he's likely to punch me in the <laughs> face or whatever. <laughs> well, supposedly he's friends with Adam, and of course they were in, um, you know, the whole uh, Walking Dead together. But I'm sure, and you know, Adam was in, I think online they did some sort of series where it was, you know, like leading up to where the Walking Dead, the series actually started. So Adam actually had some more work and and all, which was kind of cool. But yeah, Adam's a nice guy. He's friends with uh, Kevin Woods. He's a friend of mine down in um, nice. yeah South Carolina. So I shall do that. Yeah, cool. man. Um, but yeah, while we're on about meeting people, who are some of the, I mean, you've done Comic-Cons before. Yeah. We've talked about those. Who are some of the fun ones that you've met at these events? Well, um, you know, man, I cannot think... Um, I went to a screenwriting thing a long time ago in LA and there were a lot of big names there. Um, but I don't, I want to say that JJ Abrams is one of the people that I met at the panel, but is that really meeting, you know, where it's like classes adjourned and then you walk by and you're like, what's up, man? You know, that kind of shit. No, if, if you speak to them, yes, that classes as meeting them. Even even, what's up, man. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Did he, did he speak back or did he yes, not? Yes, he was nice. Yeah, man. You he met him. Nice. You yeah. met him. Yeah, yeah. I had the same thing with the Fonz, Henry <laughs> Winkler, who I had, actually, I had actually met years before. Right. It was it was basically, I'll tell the full story, and then right. when Annette eventually listens to this podcast, she'll be quite horrified. Right. Um, Annette, and her, Annette and I had a, had a very first date. Now, I thought it was a date, and it didn't. Oh. So at the end of the night, she, she went home, right. and and I was on holiday from work, right? Um, and she was at work, so I never saw her, right? Because we didn't obviously didn't live together because we just had our first date. I thought we had an out right. thing we had, <laughs> and I was devastated. I was so miserable, and I'm like, oh, I've blown it. What was it I said? What did I do? Right. Oh my god, oh, just oh, just kill me now, <laughs> right. type thing. I thought I'd totally blown it, right? And one cribs around Christmas, one Christmas Eve, a friend of mine, Martin, phones me up. He's like, what are you up to? He said, oh, not a lot. He said, uh, do you want to go out somewhere? I'm like, not really. I'm not in the mood. Right. Devastated. Right. I, was really, I was really teenager in miserably. Right. And he went, oh, I, I just wanted to know if you wanted to go out and meet the Fonz. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, why not? Let's let's go out and meet the Fonz. So we went out and we met the Fonz. Right. <laughs> it was really bizarre. So I actually met him. And then when we went to a Comic-Con years later, um, like a year ago, I think it was last year, actually, right. Henry Winkler was doing a panel. Right. And I got to ask the final question. So we had a little bit of a to and fro. So that's twice I've met him. Nice. So you, you, you have met JJ. Did he, did he give you the thumbs up and go, hey, I remember you. Uh, no, he did tell me that he loved me, though. <laughs> Uh, because all, all, all the way through this panel, he would drop into it and he would say, by the way, I always write, I write children's books, which are on sale at my stall. And he, he maybe right. did this like a half a dozen times throughout the panel. Right. So I said, well, I've, I've got a final question, Henry. Um, well, it's a two-part question. He's like, what's that? I said, well, one, what was it like working on the Lords of Flatbush, which is the best of the Yeah. And we're like, 
her, half the audience are like, Ooh, <laughs> that's my way in. And I said, also, um, do you happen to have any of your children's books? If so, where are they available? And he went, I'm so glad you asked that question. I love you. They are on my store. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, but no, you've met JJ. So, yeah, back to you. Yeah. Who else? Well, I mean, like, um, William Kaufman, who has done, uh, uh, directed a host of uh, independent films. Sinners and Saints uh, was uh, big. And I think they're going to do Sinners and Saints Part 2. Um, and then he did one, holy crap, I can't remember. It was more or less a, a SWAT-type uh, shoot 'em up kind of thing. I guess it was similar to maybe... Um, dread or something but anyway but uh similar kind of thing where they had to infiltrate a building if i remember correctly but anyway that was really what kind of put him on the map but you know it's times like when some producer friends of mine um you know will give me a call and say hey we need this location what what do you have what do you think and so there was a um aluminum factory that had shut down and i didn't realize it was going to be so top security but anyway we had to sign disclaimers and all this other stuff after being interrogated but Anyway, but so uh, Will came in and took him for a tour. And, of course, it was my a good friend's wife worked there, and that was the end. So that was you know, pretty cool. But anyway, but um, there was another time where Johnny Strong, who was an actor in a lot of his movies, um, came in. And, I mean, like, you know, we're all just kind of hanging out and, um, you know, getting coffee together and whatever. So it's, it's always very laid back. Um, Costas Mandalore, I don't know if you've ever – yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've met him. Um, very nice guy. And um, Sean Patrick Flannery. Of course, you know who that is. Nice, I do, yeah. Tom Berenger could not be a nicer guy. Very beautiful wife. Nice. Yeah. Yep. F- f- favorite Tom Berenger movie? I'm going for, for uh, Platoon. Um, yeah, but you know what? It's I. That's such a... Uh, I don't know. Cop out answer. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I just meant, holy crap, man. It seemed like there was something he was in um, in his older years. Not like, because he was in Bull Durham, wasn't he? I can't remember. Uh, I was in Major League. Yeah, that was it. I knew it was some yeah. baseball movie. But there was something that he was in later on that um, I just remember him being especially good in. Almost kind of like Harrison Ford in um, age of Adeline. I was just like, wow, he's pulling out all the chops. This dude can act. So anyway, um, I will try to remember, I probably just have to look it up, but try to figure out which Tom Berenger movie I like the best. But I always thought he was a really solid actor, but he was one of those who, um, you know, I don't know that he was ever a top bill, you know? Um, but he's such a strong actor. Um, you know, but like I say, very nice guy, very down to earth and, um, hung out at the bar for a while with me, and um, same thing with Costas. So anyway, man, um, do you ever do you ever get those moments? I mean, let's sort of use Tom Berenger as an example, where you could sit down now and you go, "Holy shit, I met Tom Berenger. That's amazing." <laughs> no, but... or or does it not phase you? Because I love that that moment where I could sit down and go, "I met the phone. Right. <laughs> the only thing it does for me, and and like my friend Bonnie Johnson who. Um, she's been in so many different movies. She played the uh, the Punisher's mom in the Thomas Jane Punisher, and then she's been she's worked with Robin Williams. Um, oh my gosh, um, Julia Roberts. I mean, it's a whole whole host of of uh, actors. When she sent me her reel because I was doing this short film, right? This is back in I think it was late nineties, and I had put an ad in the Charlotte Observer. A friend of mine writes for the. Um, like movie reviews, right? So anyway, I said, hey, if you could just 
help get the word out about this. So he did like this little article about me making the short film. And so after I'd already made decisions on pretty much all the characters with the exception of one who I just hadn't found, you know, the correct, I, you know, like who really fit that role is a nurse. So anyway, I get this VHS tape and then uh, Bonnie left me a voicemail saying, Hey, I know it's two weeks after the deadline, but I'd really love to work with you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, you know, I'll put the VHS in and check it out. It was surreal. And there she was with Julia Roberts. There she was with Robin Williams. There she was with all these other big names. And I was like, damn, this is awesome. Yeah, okay. Yes, you can. I'll, I'll let you be the nurse. And we wound up being friends. And uh, her husband, Ted's a super nice guy. And he has really honed his acting skills as well. So he and Bonnie both played a power couple in the first feature film that I directed um, with Dexter as producer. And that was back a while back and the titles changed twice, but anyway, but um, you know, he was, he was good back then, but now he's really, really good. And he actually probably gets as much work as Bonnie, but, but my whole, in answer to your question, when I'm watching a movie, like she called me from the set cause she knew that I'd be all excited cause I'm a big comic book geek. And so when she called me up from Florida, when they were shooting, um, Punisher and she was like, guess what? They're going to hook me up with squibs. I get to die. And I'm like, I'm so envious, you know? So, and the cool thing being in Florida is that, you know, like they had some sort of big storm blow through shut down production for a week. She still gets the paycheck. So that is nice. So, but in answer to your question, although I keep almost answering it, when I'm watching a movie and I see Bonnie or I see um, somebody else that I've met, you know, um, like Tom or whoever, and sometimes it does pull me out of the movie just a little bit because I'm like, hey, there's Tom. No, that's Julius Caesar. You know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that's, that's really about it. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, when I saw um, Costas at the, um, or how I feel like shit. I, I'm probably mispronouncing his name every time. I should I should pronounce it with an accent, and then it'd be accurate. So anyway, when I saw Mandalar at the action on film, and he actually spotted me before I spotted him, he's like, "Hey, dude, what's up, man?" You know, blah, blah, blah. so we we you know chatted for a few minutes. But uh, but that's cool, you know, and to cool. be remembered, you know, not necessarily by him, but yes, by him. And then, of course, everybody else is like, holy shit, who is that big dude with the mustache and the whatever talking about me? You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's it all works out, man. You, you have to kind of play that game a bit. And then it's like, wow, that guy's got to be somebody. Either that or you go out to L.A. and you wear sunglasses and then everybody's like, hmm, who is that guy? We're trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's funny. I think you do have to have your game game face on, don't you? On oh, some of these things. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yep. There's no way I can go to Comic-Con next week and go in some of these press rooms and go, yeah, I'll just do a podcast. <laughs> you know, I'd get eaten alive. It's like, no, you, you need to go in and go, nope, I need to. No, I mean, don't be arrogant and go, oh, right. God, don't you know who I am? Right. I have 12 IMDb credits or whatever. Right, right, uh, man. But, but I need to go in with this game face going, yep, I know what I'm doing. I'm here for a reason. Right. Get it done. Well, and uh, two, you should go in like uh, Braveheart, right? Wallace. Freedom! Yeah, well, <laughs> well, well, on a horse. Well, kind of, with, with a <laughs> with morning a star, face. and then everybody else gets out of your way. No, but I mean, you go in there with that kind of, you know, 
you understand why you're there. You understand you have purpose and you're going to deliver messages to the globe, you know, and, um, you know, and, and your, your horse happens to be made for screen. So yeah, man. It does. Yeah. I was going to like paint half my face blue. And go, <laughs> it's it. <laughs> Just so I ride up down and then, you know, tell everybody to charge type. I, th- I actually think Hall H will be a little bit like Braveheart, if I'm being honest. Right. Um, <laughs> which should be quite scary, but. That'll fun. be fun, so, man. Yeah, yeah. But no, I think I think I, I always think it's kind of cool when you go. I've met this person. I met that person, mm-hmm. and it's it's even because like Costas Mandalore went. Oh, hello. How you doing? I've seen you for a while. Right. That'd be like, whoa. Yeah. That would be, be geeky amazing. Right. Not ar- not arrogant amazing, but just right. geeky amazing. You go brilliant. I'm having some geek points for that. Yeah. So. Oh, definitely, man. Well, That'd be cool. you know, I'm sure that, um, you know, like, uh, when I was on the set of the evil dead two, uh, back in 87, quite some time ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, I like the way you just subtly drop that in right. <laughs> I, when I was right. on the set but, of evil dead. And that was all due to my dad. My dad was like, Hey, you know what? Right. And Wadesboro. It's nothing. It, I mean, I, well, I take that back. I have a client in Wadesboro, but anyway, but it's a very small town, right? <laughs> So anyway, they had closed this high school down. I mean, like they had just wrapped up the final year at this high school, right? And so they, or you know what? Maybe they didn't shut it down, but regardless, I'd never thought about using the uh, the basketball court, you know what I mean? The gymnasium as a soundstage, but that's what they did. And they built this, they built the entire cabin, the woods, the, the creepy vines that had sex and all that stuff, you know? And so they built it all on uh like in the gymnasium it was really really cool so uh but anyway i went there and um i met bruce campbell and of course at this point he's like in his 20s right really young and um but anyway he was could not have been more kind and the guys who were doing the special effects um not the practical effects but this was like the stop action guys right and um so anyway i was hanging out with them because i'd done stop action in my movies when i was a kid right for some reason, that just made me a cool 18-year-old. Uh, but anyway, but so um, they were like, yeah, man, just keep coming back. You can hang out with us. So anyway, Matt Bruce Campbell saw the scene where, you know, he gets so scared that there's a white streak that forms in his hair. And so <laughs> I'll stop action magic, you know. And uh, But while I was there, um, I also met Greg Nicotero. And this is back when, once again, he was a young kid, right? And um, and he was showing me the puppets and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, anyway, nice guy. His crew was very nice. So it was kind of cool that later on, there's a friend of mine that uh, he did uh, – he was, I think, the lead makeup or whatever for Drop Dead Diva for a while. Then he went over to be with his buddy Greg Nicotero for a while on The Walking Dead. And then he went on to do something else. I, I can't remember. But anyway, but it's just interesting how many – um, how much overlap and how many things come back around and, you know, so it, it you know, and so anyway, it, it's just interesting. Well, overlap. I'm having breakfast with Greg Nicotero next week as well. He's actually at that breakfast. As yeah, well. I don't, dude, that's awesome, man. So if I, if I go up to him and go, John Fout says hi, he'll be like, <laughs> he will be with space. Wow. How is he? Oh, I've not spoke to him in like 30 years. Or do you think he'll go, 
Uh, who? Yeah, uh, it's some oh. lanky jackass that came through your to your section of the high school making the uh, you know the the um, shit man the Evil Dead too. So yeah, yep. <laughs> and then I'll say, yeah, I don't remember those days. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well, John does. Yeah. That's all oh, I do, cool. man. I did not get to meet Sam Raimi, and of course, he was only twenty eight. But I understand now. When you're in director mode, you are focused, right? But um, his assistant uh, walked me everywhere, took me on a grandiose tour and everything. So that would have been kind of cool to actually say that I had met Sam Raimi, but I cannot. It, so. If you could only choose to meet Sam Raimi or Bruce Campbell, who would you, who would you oh, choose? You know, probably Bruce Campbell because he – I mean like I don't know Sam – I don't know either of these guys, but – I do know that Bruce seems to be a much more fun-loving guy, and maybe Sam Raimi is too. I certainly enjoy his movies, but, you know. Um, so I guess if I could spend an afternoon with each, just split that day up, then that would be cool. But, yeah, I'd probably go with Bruce Campbell. I mean, he's um, – I, I this will sound weird, but, I mean, to me, he's more iconic than Sam Raimi, even though Sam Raimi yeah, is yeah, yeah. definitely an inspiration. I mean, like, um, the first script that I wrote was a slasher movie called Hell of a Party. And um, it actually, it was actually a moral tale because as the parents leave the house at the beginning of the movie, they say, don't throw a party, right, to the kid. And he's like, no, mom, dad, I won't do it. So then, of course, the party ensues. There is a um, killer amongst everybody at the party. And, of course, there's lots of TNA and sex and all that stuff. And then it, it comes down to, um, you know, the anyway, I won't give away the ending in case I ever make it, but – Oh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, man, very much a slasher movie, but definitely influenced by, um, you know, Sam Raimi's movies as well as, you know, all the rest of the horror slasher movies I'd watched up until then. Favorite Sam Raimi movie? Wow. I don't know, man. Uh, He's done uh, some diverse ones. What's yours? I would probably say A Simple Plan. Yeah? Which was really good. The, uh, The Bill Paxton um yep. thing wait bill paxton gets a mention two weeks in a row uh, what, <laughs> and i remember and bill, bill paxton being good in that he was good <laughs> billy bob thought when they find a bunch of money in uh, in a crash plane so just because it was more of a thriller right i mean i like evil dead but right. i'm not a massive horror fan right spider-man was spider-man right uh, maybe dark man oh that you know what that might be it because i thought that was one of the first kind of comic book feeling movies that i had encountered as a kid you know and um, and in fact, I ordered that from Amazon. This has probably been a year ago, but I just wanted the original Dark Man. And I know they made like Dark Man two, three, four, five, whatever, and they ca- all came on this, you know, bonus Uber edition or whatever. So anyway, but yeah, Liam yeah, Neeson yeah. once again, you know, uh, pray- playing that gravelly voice guy. So so yeah, now Dark Man two and three are okay. They're not really. <laughs> they're, they're not that good. Right. Dark Man one's amazing. Yeah. So. Um, when you go to Comic Cons and these type of events, what sort of person are you? Question being, do you go for autographs? Do you go to buy comics? Do you go to just you know look at cosplay or whatever? What do you? What's your main? Um, you know, I am looking for collectibles. And by the way, Richard Hatch, you remember him from the original Battlestar Galactica? Sure do. Very very nice guy. Hung out with him uh, for an afternoon, 
And um, so anyway, once again, probably doesn't remember me for shit. That project went south as far as the one that we were trying to get going with him. But I di- I'll, I'll ask I him digress. next week because he's at San Diego Comic Con as well. I'm not having breakfast breakfast with him. Yeah. Anymore, but super nice so. guy though, man. I mean, like you know, I think it's that uh, California surfer side of his mind. You know what I mean? He's just very very laid back and open to talking about things or whatever. So yeah, but um, but yeah, for the most part, um, the conventions. Um, I guess, you know, there's maybe certain people that I would like to, um, you know, meet and, but I mean, as far as like getting autographs and stuff, some of them, I don't know, I guess it just all depends, man. If I feel like, you know, getting their autographs, some, I mean, some people like I met David Prowse and of course, as I'm walking up, he starts a speech about, eh, you're a weightlifter. You're going to regret that when you're in your 50s, man. You're going to feel like shit, like me, man. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, okay, dude. You know, so anyway, we we chatted for probably five to ten minutes. Um, same thing with Lou Ferrigno, except Lou's the opposite end of things. He's like, oh, you look like you lift weights. Oh, well, thanks, man. This is back when I was uh, m- uh, much more into weightlifting and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, and I said, dude. You and Schwarzenegger are, you guys got me into lifting weights, you know? So that was more, I guess, kind of meeting a hero, if you if you will. You know, someone who inspired me yeah. to do something. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. But now with the autographs and stuff, I used to, I did a lot of Comic-Con mm-hmm. events in the early 2000s. And I would just go, oh, famous person, got to get right, the autograph. Right, right, right. Um, and I met a lot of cool people. So it was a lot of people from the James Bond world, right. Ingrid Pitt, who had been in a lot of the Hammer movies right. and Wick, Wicker Man and stuff. But now I've got the signed photos and they're in a folder. And I still look at them from time to time, but they're just in a folder. Right. So I don't tend to, I haven't got the room to display them all. Right. Um, now I'm kind of into these signed movie posters. But again, I'm mm. struggling because I've no place to put them. I've got a signed right. Terminator poster. It's rolled up in the corner because I've no place to put it. Jake would be horrified. Right. Like, Damn you. Um, That's sacrilegious, man. Come on. I've got a signed, signed Blade Runner one. Right. That's rolled up. That's rolled up in the corner wow, as well. It's like, Anytime oh, you want to send that overseas, buddy, I will make room for that. Uh, well, it's, it's signed by Sean Young, um, oh, Harrison Ford. What? And I think... Ridley Scott. I think it's at least three or four signatures on it. I'll take a picture of it over the weekend. Okay. For you. Did you purchase it online or did you no. actually meet all those people and have them? Sign? No, no, I purchased that. Oh, one. okay. Wow, man. See, at, at that point, I was like, dude, I just want to touch your shoulder. You know what I mean? You have been before greatness. <laughs> I think out of the ones that I've actually met, I think Dawn of the Dead is probably my favorite one with Tom Savini, George Romero, yeah, yeah. Galen Ross, and Ken Foray. So I've met all of them at the same convention and got them to sign the poster. Yeah. So that's possibly one of my favorite ones Yeah, that I've got. But uh, Do you know if Erin Gray is going to be there? She is. She is doing a panel for something or other. She, I saw her at Dragon Con, and this was, oh, good Lord, maybe – Eight years ago? I, I can't really remember exactly when I went down to Dragon Con last. But anyway, um, for whatever reason, I'm just thinking, I mean, you know, like people are lined up to meet, uh, oh, what's the guy's name who played Ralph Mouse and the dude who played Potsy, right? Lined yeah. up, man. And so anyway, and everybody is ignoring Aaron Gray. She's just sitting there. So I'm like, oh. I think I'm going to go say, hey, you know, just, and so. And she had not aged a bit. And she doesn't look like she's had any work done. She is just a very naturally beautiful woman. And so 
if you get to meet her, man, that would be interesting to, you know, know if she's still just as gorgeous as she was. Because uh, to me, she was as beautiful as she was on the show. So yeah. just. But no, she's a. Because I've, um, I mean, they started announcing all the panels for Comic Con. I'm like, well, I'm just going to print a list out for each day. Yeah. This thing is like 60 pages thick. <laughs> and it's like for the Friday, the Saturday, for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's nuts. There's like. I mean, I printed just the list out, right? And the list itself, which is just one line per thing, no description, just one line for one day. It's nine pages long, <laughs> and that's Good just panel, Lord, that's Q and A. So there is no way that I can do everything, right? So it's a case of I need to sit down with Annette and go through this thing with a fine-toothed comb, right? And just go right. What are the th- what are the highlights? One a day. Wow. One of the ones I really want to go into. And right. I'm so impressed. Uh, it's on the Thursday, which is apparently the quietest day of the entire convention. Right. Which is, is nice. And it's an Oliver Stone panel, and Oliver Stone's there. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, on the panels for Snowden, which is coming out right. later on in the year. Oliver Stone, Scott Eastwood, Zachary Quinto, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. All on wow. the same panel. So I don't really bother about that a lot. I just, I would love to be, <laughs> A, to be sat in the room with right. Oliver Stone is cool. Right. But I really want to just try and speak to the guy. Because yeah. I'd be like, that, that's one of my holy grail ones. Even if it's him. just, dude, and he goes, yo, and that's it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's just, hey, hey, <laughs> fine. We're best friends then. So it's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want an autograph because I've already got it. Right. Because he sent me a signed picture years and years ago saying good luck and work hard and that's been that's actually <laughs> wow driven me on to a lot of things dude that is cool that. man yep so i'm not asked about an autograph i just want to speak to him go yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so dude i wonder if they have an app for your uh no i know you're not taking your ipad but you'll have like your phone right and i yeah. wonder if there's an app that has the entire convention floor all mapped out almost like a you know like a gps kind of thing so you could say Okay, I need to go from this point to that point. And it says, you know, go to this escalator, take it up. And then, you know, because, dude, it's a huge complex. And I I remember the first time I went out to L.A., no one warned me about a layover in Atlanta. And Atlanta was huge. And I'm trying to bust my ass to make the next flight, right? And so I'm running, and I bump into this dude who's like, I forget what the title is, but it's like, you know, the – Whatever. It's the guy you're supposed to tip. He'll give you, you know, like, oh, I'll hold the flight for you, whatever. And I was yeah. like, my first trip, I, I have no idea where to go. And he's like, oh, my God, you've got to hop on the tram and do this and that. I'm like, shit. So anyway, <laughs> but I can imagine Comic-Con being as huge as it is. You almost need to have, you know, like uh, maybe even have a little shock collar on your wrist. And then it's like <laughs> Oliver Stone in 15 minutes. Oh, my God, I've got to get up because, you know, you're talking to Virginia. Hey, and then you're like, oh, I don't want to leave this because we're talking candles and how cool she is. But it's <laughs> Oliver Stone, you know, <laughs> that's my uh, so my I've actually written into the film the it's called Searching for Oliver. Right. <laughs> and that's going to be like a chapter heading and that's going to be my quest. It was originally going to be called Hunting Oliver Stone. But I thought that that might get people might see that and go, oh my God, what am I about to watch? Well, but so you I changed know what? it to search for Oliver. Yeah, but you're from the UK. Surely that means something different, right? Uh, kind of, <laughs> not, not, not so much. So it's like his panel's at quarter to twelve. Right. So I'm going to queue up about ten o'clock, yeah. and I've I've asked them. I said, look, should I queue up? And they're like, no, you'd be right. 
So because it's the quietest day. But I was listening to there's a, an actual podcast. You know, an event's big when it's got its own podcast <laughs> that runs from April onwards. Right. <laughs> wow. And they were going through the schedules and they were saying, well, there is a Game of Thrones panel at 4 p.m. on the Saturday. Right. So we would, we would advise if you're queuing up and you wish to get into that one. Probably about 5 a.m. You're like, what? <laughs> and then they were like, there is a Marvel one um, at an hour before that one. So yeah. we would advise that that's probably, you're going to be camping out all night for that one. I'm like, oh, I like Marvel, but not that much. Yeah. And then you're going to you're gonna look like that. The There's always one dude at every panel that gets up behind the microphone. And he looks kind of like he's homeless. His hair is all whack. And he's like, ugh. Yeah, uh, you know, and so because he's been there for 15 hours, I never, I never thought about that aspect. So I've been very judgmental. It's like, where the hell? What? He should have been pulled from line. No, they saw him camping out beside the door. You know, <laughs> yeah. crazy. So it's it's going to be one hell of an experience. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Oliver Stone is my target on that one. Nice to just do that smart. So if I do that, I'm happy. Um, Friday morning is the Walking Dead press thing, which is fine because I've got an invite to that. Nice. So that, that's okay. And now Saturday, you know about Pawn Shop Chronicles, man. You have the power. Cer- <laughs> certainly do. And I'll go up to Greg Nic- Nicotero and go, by the way, you owe John Fouts a dollar <laughs> from 1981. <laughs> <laughs> he remembers. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturday with no plans, Sunday with no plans. Right. So it's, I, I just don't want to plan everything. I'm not one of these. It's like, oh, I'll do all this stuff because you know you're not going to be able to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's good it's to have, not- it, it's good in case something falls through. Like, you know, Oliver Stone at eight bad sushi, he's got the trots, he's not going to show up. So, who, you know, how do you fill that gap? You know, are you going to have contingency plans? Um, no. <laughs> because the whole point of me, I want to, the, the two days I want to do, I want to do it Thursday. And the Saturday, the Saturday, I want to be there and just see the chaos because that is the busiest day. That is somebody actually described Saturday as the day that will destroy your soul. (laughs) So I want to be there to film all that lot. So I'm making no plans to go in any panels on that day. I'm just going to get in. It'd be like an airdrop. Drop me in. I'll go rescue the POWs and I'll get back out again. Uh, So. Uh, other than that, we're going to go to the San Diego Zoo and go to SeaWorld and right. stuff like that. So no, that's nice. Annette, that's nice. Yeah, That's quite – because we've managed to get Annette a pass as well now. Yeah. So. You know, one of these days and, – and, of course, you know, one of these days, Michelle and I will actually do another Ride Home uh, podcast. But it would also be cool to do a Ride Home podcast with you and Annette. So maybe at some point we could see some movie. I know they come out at different times, uh, you know, depending, you know, here versus there. But that'd be kind of cool, man. You know, even if we don't see it on the same day, but then we could Skype and record, and um, that would be kind of fun. Would Annette be open to that? She would definitely be. Yep. Well, let's plan on that, man. Let's definitely. just be thinking about some movie that all of us, you know, are at least interested in. I'd, I'd hate for you know uh, any party, any party in the group to say, "Yeah, that's that's just that was crap." I'm I'm walking away right now. Mic drop, and it's just the three of us. <laughs> uh, that'll be fine. On a, a final question, because yeah. I know you've got a lot to do today. Um, when you go around a Comic Con event or whatever, mm-hmm. how many hours do you spend wandering around? <laughs> Um, geez, it all depends on the size of the place. Cause I mean, something like what we have heroes con, which grows every year, it's still just on one floor, but like dragon con, there were multiple levels, you know? So it's got, and every time I thought it was done, 
um, it would be like, oh, well, let's go down this next escalator, and then there's nothing but sci-fi weapons, and I'm just like, oh, my wallet is coming out, and I can't control it, you know. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, it's um, I. It all depends. I mean, you know, usually I guess about a day. But there again, I mean, if there's plenty to see, I guess I would get a hotel. I mean, something for like Dragon Con, I would probably, you know, stay a couple of days. And then uh, Comic-Con, wow, man, I'd be out there for a week. I just think that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think it would be? Or do you think after about five hours, you'd be like, this place smells like a meat pie factory. I need to get out of here. <laughs> it all depends on the panels that I want to sit in. Am I entertained? Um, you know, am I chafing yet from all the walking do they, I'm on the, you know, like I'm looking, you can find things at these conventions that you can't get otherwise because they're licensed and it's illegal to sell them. Right. But the, these vendors come in and then it's like, Hey, yeah, which lightsaber would you like to have for, you know, $35, you know, and they, they're great. They were actually cast from, um, you know, like the really nice ones, you know, and then you can paint them up or whatever. Or like, um, I always wanted to get, are, did you ever watch the TV show Farscape? Um, no, anyway. even though even though Virginia Hayes. Yeah, yeah, and so. her character is hilarious. But anyway, um, Ben Browder's character, uh, John Crichton, had this gun that he called Winona, and I'm assuming after Ryder. But anyway, uh, but it was kind of a really cool pistol. It didn't have a um, a trigger, and more or less like the whatever the impulses came from your mind, it would cause it to fire or whatever. So anyway, but I always wanted one of those, and I could not find it online or anything back in the day, right? And so, anyway, that was one of the things that I found and um, and and bought at a convention. So it's it's that kind of stuff. So if you have plenty of those things, they're the hard to find pistols and lightsabers, whatever, man. Then that's you know that's that's that'll keep me going. I'll forget that my feet are killing me because I wore the wrong shoes or whatever, you know. Well, I'm hoping I'll get into a lot of the panels because everybody be running around finding Pokemon's on it, oh. so they won't be. They won't be going into panels. They'll be running around trying to find Pikachu's or whatever. Dude, that is Jesus. that is just nuts. I mean, like my my kids play it. That's fine, but I don't know. I mean, like I'm I got concerned yesterday. Uh, we Michelle and I were coming back. I forget where. I guess it's the grocery store, and we're on this uh, stretch of highway that's 55 miles an hour. And this chick behind me is totally just staring down at her gear shift, which is where her phone obviously is, right? And she wasn't even looking at the road. I'm thinking, wow, if this dude stops in front of me, I'm afraid we're going to wreck. I don't want to – I mean, like, you know, I, I, I'm hoping she has insurance. She has a nice car. But, I mean, you know, insurance isn't going to buy me a new back, you know. But it's – so now you have people looking for Pikachus and Conca whatevers. And, yeah, man, it's – so, you know, you, you – I don't know. It's kind of cool, I guess, in a way. And I get why kids like to play it. But on the other hand, it's just, you know, everybody needs to pay attention to what you're doing even if you're walking, you know? So, well, Annette was telling me a story about somebody who went to try and find a Pikachu, wherever the hell it was. Right. And it, they didn't find a Pokemon. They found a dead body. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, you heard that two Marines were playing the game and, you know, because they, it uses your camera and then puts the Pikachu or whatever the chimichanga creature into the frame. Right. 
And then you have to throw your Pokeball at it, whatever that's called. And I know my kids are going to cringe <laughs> if they ever listen to this, right? So anyway, you throw the Pokeball thing at them. And then, you know, then it, it either bounces off and they get pissed and run off. Or you capture them. And then you have to put them into a gym and all this other stuff. But anyway, cool. so they're looking at the Pokey thing. And then they they recognize this dude who's on the most wanted list. So the two Marines go and take him down, call the cops. And then he's packed up and taken off. So in a way, you know, without the Pokey app, then probably he wouldn't have been caught. So, you know, good. Nope, and that dead body might never have been found. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> However, it is quite bad when they've got these Pokemons hiding out in the Holocaust Museum. Oh, and no! All this sort of, yeah, there's the new stories of that. They're, oh, they're, wow. These are located in the weirdest right. the 9-11 memorial. Well, uh, what kind of pokies are there, man? I mean, like, uh, supposedly the fire ones are at gas stations. The water ones are actually in the lake, you know, like ponds and whatever. So, you know, they try to be accurate to what they are. But, you know, damn, man, was it like the Hitler pokey that's in the Holocaust <laughs> Museum? I think it probably is. Because <laughs> they, they put out a press release saying, look, can people stop? looking for pokemons and you get it you go you know what right. that's not where yeah you should be going around there looking for pokemons right and stuff, so. yeah there are a few glitches in the game which yeah. hopefully it'll sort out at some point so. <laughs> well supposedly you can find some really co- cool pokey things in um in uh graveyards at night so wow. they're they're called pedophile pokemon <laughs> yeah aren't they? they are so, yeah, exactly so <laughs> On that cheery note, right. I shall leave you to it for another episode, John. Yeah, man, this was fun. This was really fun. Was. And, you know, there's still tons of uh, stories to tell and whatever, so we can hit that next time or whatever, man. Oh, There hell, always yes. seems to be more. I think this is why you're going to be such a success at uh, Comic-Con, is that you're very easy to talk to, and you keep everything going. And so it's just, I, I get I get off book, man. I mean, like, I had pages of notes. And, you know, I was like, on a, you know, well, back when I was, whatever, but Ah, man, you know, I hit some of it, didn't hit uh, the majority of it, but it was just fun chatting and talking. And and you reminded me of meeting people that I had already forgotten that I had met. So, you know, like Virginia Hay, who was very, very sweet. So, yeah. We'll we'll do a sequel. We'll call it Two Podcast, Two Furious. (laughs) That works, man. (laughs) Uh, We'll do do that next time. Right. R.I.P. Paul Walker, right? Supposedly they are still, you know, keeping him going in in the franchise. So... Oh, have a, have a photograph of him or something like the, you know, right. Harold Ramis and Ghostbusters or something. So, right. You know, just yeah, crazy. Yeah. But no, you you enjoy your day, John. I hope you do too, and, and have a happy have a happy weekend. Yeah, let's have a happy weekend. That works for me. So I'm gonna have a happy weekend because then I'm off to San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, man, dude, and I'm I'm excited that you and Annette get to go on this journey together. So I will look forward to all the tweets, even though you say you're not. I've done that before, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'll I'm still doing. I'm, yeah, hell yeah. It's like I've got to do this, you know. So uh. yeah, there'll be, be tweets. There won't be any podcasts or anything. But there'll be tweets. So. <laughs> I hear you, man. <laughs>
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.